Hi guys, welcome back to Rock Sydney International Online Church. If this is your first time joining us, let me say welcome. I am Yoshi, I'm one of the lead pastors, and I'm here to bring you the word. So let's go straight into the word, because I have quite a lot to say today. Um, I tried to trim my sermon manuscript from 8,400 words to 6,000-ish. It's usually, my 50-minute sermon usually have 6,000 words, but yeah. Oh yeah, let's see. If you have your Bible, open up with me to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read together from verse 22 to verse 24. And less than to our feet as we read the Word of God. This is what the Bible says. Wife, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husband. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful word. And I just pray, Lord, that these words will come alive to us, Lord. I, and I know these words are not easy to hear and not easy to receive. But Holy Spirit, we know when you're working in the midst of us, there's no heart that you cannot change. And I just pray that tonight what we will hear is not my word. My word has no power. My word has no authority, but your word has power and authority. So I pray that we are receptive to your word, and I pray that, Holy Spirit, you transform our heart. And maybe, may we become a people who understand what, is, what it is that you desire for us to do, and how should we live our life in the light of the gospel. And we ask this in the name of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, so tonight is the fourth series of A Love to Remember series called Gospel to the Wife. Gospel to Wife by Single Man. Anyone of us? I am. Can we close in prayer? <laughs> okay, let's jump straight into the sermon. Okay, let's recap what we learned last week first, okay? So last week we talked about responsibilities of men. Because unless we understand this, then um, we will not be able to understand responsibilities of wife properly. So we talked about last week that, man, you are created stronger than women. But that strength is designed in order for you to protect the woman and not to dominate women. So in other words, um, that kind of responsibility expresses itself in three different ways, okay? So you mean husband, got to love your wife sacrificially, and you got to lead her spiritually. So this is what it means. It means that husband, you have responsibilities to use your authority in such a way that increases the lovelessness and the beauty of Christ in your wife. So this is what it does not mean, though. It does not mean, husband, that you are called to fix your wife. Okay, don't do it, man. Don't do it. I mean, no woman wants to be fixed. Amen, woman? Women want to be understood. And let me tell you, fixing women never works. I mean, I'm not married, but I've seen 34 years of marriage between my parents, and it just never worked. Okay, so let me tell you something, man. You cannot change your wife. The only one who can is Jesus. So your goal as you lead them spiritually and love sacrificially is actually you point them toward Jesus and to help her see Jesus in her problem. And that's the only way that she can change, right? And then the third thing that we say is, uh, man, you also call to nourish cheerfully, which means to be a provider. Now, quick question for all the ladies. How many of you want husband like this? A husband who loves you sacrificially, who lives spiritually and um, nourished cheerfully. Raise your hand. I hope every single woman should raise their hand right now, okay? Because that is a beautiful image what a husband should look like. And let me tell you, girls, it is possible to have a husband like this. And that's why God is giving us this blueprint. And I'm letting you know this is God's desire for your marriage. This is God's desire for your relationship. That's why last week, man, I'm being really hard on you, okay? I hope you don't hate me, but there's a reason why I'm being really hard on you last week. Because the Bible is clear that the responsibility to make relationship work lies on men. I'm going to continue to say this. I'm going to hammer this into your mind, okay? Listen, yes, it takes two people to have a marriage, but the weight of responsibility to make marriage work lies on you, man. 
lies on husband. There's just no way out of it. Okay? So when, and I believe when husbands fulfill their role, marriage flourishes. And C.S. Lewis, Lewis called this, call marriage as the great dance, okay? And I want to change that. I want to call that the gospel dance of marriage. And here's what you need to understand, ladies, okay? You have important role to play. Because think about it, it takes two to dance, okay? It takes two persons to dance. Like, for example, like, you know, a man can dance as hard as he can, but unless you play a part in your dance, there will be no dance, okay? And when C.S. Lewis called marriage the dance, the gospel dance, okay, C.S. Lewis was not talking about dancing like the dance that we know, like, you know, in club, like, you know, my friend used to say, like, when he goes to club, he dances like this, you know who you are who does that? That's not the kind of dance that we're called to, but the kind of dance that C.S. Lewis was referring to is actually more like a slow dance between male and female, okay? Let me tell you my story. I first learned how to do slow dance when I was 15. Um, so I just was having their annual drama production, and they needed people to do slow dance in the drama. And when they first invited me, I refused. Like, I'm too cool for that. Like, I mean, I can't dance. It's too cheesy. I'm not going to do it. But then I found out that the two cute girls in our church who were around my age were invited, and they say yes. And you know what I did? I changed my mind, right? So now I like, yo, it's got me. I, I want to join the drama. Why? The only reason I joined the drama was so that I could dance with one of them, right? Because my thought goes like this: my parents do not allow me to dance, but I can hold hand with cute girls for free. Awesome, right? Win-win. Go for it. So here I am, and I joined the drama. And you know, my natural thought was: I assumed that I was going to be paired with one of the two, two cute girls who were my age. However, I ended up with someone, being paired with someone who was at least 10 years older than me. Okay? So I'm still convinced until today. I'm still convinced that somehow my parents worked behind the scene to make sure of it. Okay? Hashtag life will pass a kid. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but here's what I learned about slow dance though. Okay? Um, you know this. You, you know this. You, you've seen this happen a lot of time. In slow dance, you cannot have both parties do the same thing. The dance will not work. The dance have to complement one another. This is what I mean. So when one party go to the right, the other person has to step to the left. So when a party move left foot forward, the other party have to move right foot backwards. See, that means this, there's a harmony to it. They, they move complement one another. See, you cannot have identical equivalent move in a dance. It's not going to work. And someone has to lead the dance, and the other have to follow. You cannot have two leaders in slow dance. The dance will not work. And in the dance of marriage, in the gospel dance of marriage, listen to this, husband, you are called to lead the dance. But listen, ladies, okay? You need to guess this right. Even though the weight of responsibility to lead is given to men, unless women decided to play their part, there is no gospel dance. A man cannot lead a woman who does not want to be led. You with me on that? See, that's why every time Paul talks about the responsibility of husband and wife, Paul always speaks to whom first? Not husband. Right? You, you assume it's husband first, right? No. But Paul always speaks to the wife first. Even though the husband has way more responsibility, husband has six verses, uh, wife only has three verses. But he always speaks to the wife first. Why? Because no man can lead a woman who does not want to be led. None. There will be no dance. Okay? So single men. Okay? Some of you might be wondering, why am I listening to this? Okay? I'm single. Let me tell you why it's important for you. Because one day, that smoking hot girl of your dream will be a wrinkly old lady. I mean, you just have to face that fact. Okay? Listen, physical attraction has expiry date. It will not last forever. Gravity will eventually win. So, man, if you decide on your future spouse, if you decide who you're going to marry based on physical attraction alone, it is better for you to be single for, for the rest of your life. Because a woman who's not willing to play her part in the dance will just make your life miserable. Now, here's, not, here's what I'm not saying. 
I am not saying that physical attraction does not matter. Physical attraction does have its place. After all, okay, you, you're going to wake up next to her every single morning. So you got to like what you see. Like, you don't want to have heart attack every single morning. You wake up in the morning, oh my gosh, who you are? Oh, you're my wife. Right? That's not good. You're going to die young. So you, you better like what you see. But there's so much more than that. Because what you're looking for when you're looking for a spouse is just not a hot girl. You're looking for a dance partner. You're looking for someone who will compliment your move. And you got to know whether she has what it takes to dance with you or not. Because this dance will continue for the rest of your life until that do you part. So ladies, this is why tonight is important for you. Because you got to know your role in the dance. See, a man can try as hard as he can, but unless you play your part, there will be no dance. Okay? There will be break dancing. He will dance until he break, right? But there will be no intimate slow dance, the gospel dance. So tonight, I want to look at the responsibility of wife, the distorted image, and I will give you some application at the end. Okay? I intentionally make the outline very similar to last week so that you can compare the two. And husband, listen. Husband, tonight is not about you. Okay? These verses are directed to wife, okay? Wife, not husband, okay? So stay away from using these verses against her, okay? Don't even quote these verses toward her, okay? Like, I know last week many wives love me. I know last week many wives were smiling, and they probably give you that big green smile, like, right, throughout the sermon. But here's my encouragement, husband. Do not smile back at her today, okay? Don't do it, Okay? Don't even do, <clears throat> don't do that. Huh? Don't do it. You know, it won't go well with you. Uh, she she got it. She knows what you're trying to do. Okay, just, just let me do the preaching and let the Holy Spirit do the conflicting, okay? And uh, one husband told me last week after the sermon, yours, make sure you preach your best sermon next week. Make sure you put your best effort. And I'm like, don't worry, brother. I'll do it. Leave it to me. I'll give my best shot, okay? I'll try to remove that green smile out of your wife's faces today. <laughs> and all the wife right now are staring with me with these eyes ready to crucify me anytime I say the wrong thing, okay? Okay, you ready? Okay, let's get into it. Let's talk about the first thing first, the responsibility of wife. Now, I promise we'll get to our passage, but I want to start in different place, okay? I want to start with Genesis 2.18. See what the Bible says. Then the Lord God say, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now think about it. Okay? We talked about this a um, couple of weeks ago. Adam was in the Garden of Eden. Adam was in a perfect environment. Adam has dominion. Adam has the best food he wanted. And not only that, but Adam also has the relationship with the triune God. So Adam enjoyed the relationship, the delight, the love uh, of the Trinity in him. And yet, in the midst of all of that, God says this, it is not good for man to be alone. And so this is the first not good that we find in the Bible. And this is not by accident. It's not as if like, oh, I forgot to make this thing for Adam. Oh, sorry, Adam. God's got to do something for you. No, no, no. This is by design. This is not good by God's design. So God wants you and me to know that no, as awesome as capable Adam is, God said it's not good for him to be alone. And God says, I will make him a helper fit for him. And that one statement, a helper fit for him, that changes the game. Okay? That's going to give us a big picture of what does wife responsibilities look like. Okay? There are three things. First of all, that we know is this, wife is a helper. Now, the moment I say that word helper, every feminist right now staring at me like, what? What did you just call me? Did you just call me a helper? Are you serious? Okay, okay, hold on a second. Okay, hold on a second. I know you want to crucify me at this moment. I feel you. I know this goes against what our culture believes, but I cannot and will not change what the Bible says about you, woman. Okay? However, I want to change your perception on the word helper, okay? Because the way the Bible defines helper is different from the way a lot of time we define helper. See, when, when you and I think about helper, um, a lot of time we think about a domestic helper who help us to make our life easier. 
who works for us, who cook for us, who clean for us, okay? That's how we, a lot of time we think about the word helper. But when the Bible used the word helper, especially this word helper in Genesis 2, okay, it has totally different meaning. See, the word helper comes from the Hebrew word ezer. Say that word with me, ezer, okay? And this word ezer is used to describe God himself. So God is called, is, is called our ezer. So God is our helper. So whatever the word helper means, it cannot be means someone that's less. It cannot be mean that. So that means this. Understand this, that the word ezer is a lot of used in the Bible to describe a powerful reinforcement without which a battle cannot be won. So helper in the context of the Bible does not refer to someone who makes life easier, but someone you could not live without. So listen, wife, you are a helper. Okay, what's the implication? I think there are three implications. First, it means this, you have equal value. There's no possible way that you can read the Bible and come to conclusion that woman, female, wife are less than male. None. Okay? You cannot come to that conclusion because we know that both male and female are created in the image of God. That means it's both male and female, we have equal worth, equal dignity, equal value in the eyes of God. Okay, that's the Bible. One is not more valuable than the other. See, the Bible never devalue women. But sin devalue women. Because of sin, we know that, you know, throughout ages, throughout history, the role of women has been abused. And not only that, but women a lot of time are treated as second class. I mean, you don't have to go far. I mean, if you watch um, the very popular TV show Game of Thrones, then you know that in that show, women are treated like an object to be used, right? They were abused. And um, that's why it's, it's, it's very important for us to get this. You will have equal value, women. In fact, when Jesus started his ministry, you know what Jesus began to do? He continued to elevate the status of women. He continued to restore the dignity of woman. That's why Paul, Apostle Paul says this, that in Christ there's no male and female. All is one in Christ. So woman, get this right. From the beginning, you must hammer this into your mind. You are valuable in the sight of God. But not only that, okay? You not only have equal value, but the word helper also means this, that you're strong. See, to help someone... You need to be strong. The only reason someone needs help is because that person is not strong enough. So for a woman to be called helper to her husband, that means this, woman, you have something that men do not have. Men, get this right. Okay? You, you need to get this right. Women are strong. Okay? I'm not talking about physically strong. I mean, uh, men, you are generally created to be physically stronger than women. But woman has this extra tenacity, extra love, extra strength to protect those who they love. Isn't that true, woman? I mean, the easy example is childbirth. I mean, praise God, man, we, have, we do not have to experience the pain of childbirth, right? And you thank God for it. Um, but I know, and we know, we all know that the pain of childbirth is extremely painful. Extremely painful. Painful enough to make an angel turn into a temporary demon. Okay, that's what I heard. But, okay, let me ask you a question. How many of you are not firstborn in your family? Raise your hand. Aren't you glad your mama did not give up on you? Aren't you glad your mama decided after experiencing the agony, the pain of childbirth with the first kid, she still chose to have you? Wow, okay, I'm glad. Otherwise, I'm not going to be here. Right, so even though, even though, it's painful that woman has that tenacity, extra strength to injure it. Okay, praise God for woman's strength. Praise God for mama's strength. And epidural. <laughs> I heard it helps. So ladies, listen to this. You might not be physically stronger than men, but you're strong. You are much stronger than us in many ways. You are created to be a strong helper. And the third thing, it implies this. Not only you have equal value and you're strong, but it also means that you're kind. Yeah, I feel the need to put it there, in here because um, a lot of time, 
women use their strength to destroy their husband rather than to help their husband. Okay? But listen, woman, wife, you are called a helper. That means this, wife, use your strength in such a way to make up what is lacking in your husband. You are not to use your strength to replace him, but to kindly help him. But the sad reality today is there are many men who fear women. Do you know why? Because women can be extremely cruel with their strength. Amen, man? Right? So ladies, but that's not how you were designed to use your strength. See, your strength were designed to use to help, to help in kindness, to help what is lacking in man. And that's how you're designed. See, you are called to empower your husband, not to replace your husband. Do you see the difference? Empower, not replace. It's like this. It's like helping your kid with their homework. Mom, what do you do when you help your kid with their homework? You don't do the homework for them, right? You don't go, okay, let, let me see what's the question. One plus one? You don't know the question? Okay, let, let my mom do it. One plus one equals 11, okay? That's not how you do it, okay? You, you don't, that's replacing them. That's not helping them, but to help them is what? is to come alongside them and empower them and enable them to do their homework. And listen, wife, and that is exactly what you're called to do. See, you're not called to replace your husband. Wife, you're stronger than your husband in many ways, but you got to use that power and strength to enable him and empower him to lift out his responsibilities, not to replace him, okay? So that's what it means, okay? That's what it means for you to be a helper, the first responsibility. So far, so good. All the women still love me? Yeah, okay, I'm still with you, okay. Second one. The second responsibility of a woman is to be a helper fit for her husband. Now, so woman, listen to this. You're not just a helper, but you are a helper fit for your husband. See, the word fit means like, like opposite to him. It's like two pieces of puzzle that fit together because they are different in such a way when they come together, they become whole. See, ladies, even though you are created equal, even though you have the same status, the same value in the eyes of God, you are created different from men. See, I, and I think this is where a lot of feminists get this wrong. See, a lot of feminists, in the name of gender equality, because they want to elevate the status of women, which is good, a lot of them, what they do is they try to remove the differences between male and female altogether. And that is not biblical, because no, the Bible is clear that we are different, so in such a way that we complement one another, okay? So... Here's what we need to understand. If we try to remove the role altogether, we go against what the Bible has to say about husband and wife. See, when men and women are created distinctly different to fulfill different roles, where they complement one another. See, so now rather than competing with one another, what happens is this, we complement one another in our role. It's like this, like um, harmony in music. Okay? If you're a musician, you get this, Right? In harmony, in, in music, what happens is, how do you create harmony? So what happens usually is one person play a melody, right? A certain nice melody that sounds good on its own. But then another person play a totally different melody. So, but when they, this, these two melodies come together, it creates harmony. It creates a wonderful, gorgeous sound that you don't have before. Like, for example, like, for example, if one person go, bum, 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 and the other person, do, 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 do. So you come, join them together. Bum, 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 do, 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 You get that, right? So it creates a wonderful harmony. Can it go wrong? Definitely, okay? If the person does not know how to do it well, then it goes really bad. Like, you don't want to even listen to it. You turn it off, turn it away, okay? It's bad, bad, bad. Okay, and so, but yet when it's played well, it creates a wonderful, beautiful, gorgeous melody. And that's what um, complementarian look like, okay? That you complement one another. But not only that. Wife, so you're not only created to be a helper fit, but listen to this. You are created to be a helper fit for your husband. 
Now, I, 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 need, I need you to get this right, okay? Paul put it this way. Adam was not created for Eve. Eve was created for Adam. Do you know what it means? It means this. So with another word, wife, your first and primary responsibility as a wife is toward your husband. You are created to be a helper fit for your husband. Oh, let me put it a different way. Wife, your first priority is to be a helper to your husband, not to your children. You are a wife first before you are a mother. Your husband needs you more than your children. And this is crucial, ladies, because I've seen many wives okay, who became mother who prioritized their children over their husband. Because, right, you, get, you, you create this attachment because you, you, you gave birth to that child, you raised them, you spent time with them, so you have this attachment, and now you use all your time and energy to watch your children. And because of that, you don't have time and energy for your husband. And that is not right because, remember, you are created to be a helper first and foremost to whom? Not to your children, but to whom? To your husband. See, the person, listen, wife, the person that needed you the most is not your children. The person that needed you the most is your husband. So, if you have to choose between your children and your husband, which one do you choose? Let me tell you the answers. You choose your husband because he is your first priority, okay? And some of the wives, some are, mm, I'm not sure if I like this sermon, okay? Wait, okay? Just wait because you're going to hate me even more after the next point, okay? And those husbands probably start smiling because of the sermon, okay? The third thing, what does it mean, okay? What is the third responsibility of a wife? Okay? It means this. Wife is to submit gladly to her husband. <laughs> okay, this is the part of the sermon where all the girls are like, what? What? And, and all the women that loved me last week start hating me, okay? I'm not sure if I like this sermon. Can we turn it off? And all the husbands are like, no, 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 this is like the great, this is going to get the good part, baby. Listen to it, right? All the husbands are smiling right now, and all the women are frowning at me. In fact, um, my beloved friend and... Uh, Uncle, Pastor Daniel Prayogo told me yesterday, he says this, I am afraid to find a wife. That what you preach this Sunday will make it hard for you to find a wife. Because <laughs> why? Because this is not easy, okay? Ephesians 5, 22 to 24. This is what it says. Wife, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wife should submit in everything to their husband. Breathe in, ladies. Relax. Chill. Okay? I understand the word submission is very frightening. And I understand why it frightens you because we live in a corrupted world. Okay. We sin again and again how sin corrupted the idea of submission. And man throughout the ages has abused this verse. Okay? Man throughout the ages has used this verse to rule with iron clan, with iron fist toward their heart, to their wife. They dominate their wife. Okay? So, and I, I, do, I do get it. So when you hear the word submission and you're concerned, I, I share that concern with you, right? Because it's still happening right now in, around the world. It's not just something that happened in the past. There are many husbands that still abuses this submission word, okay? But here's why, here's why I want to be clear with you. Wife, listen. The word submission does not mean unconditional obedience. It cannot mean that. See, the word submission cannot mean that you just let your husband do whatever he wants. It cannot mean that. You know why? Because remember, you are created in the image of God. You, are, you have equal value in the eyes of God. In fact, when Paul used the word submission, he says, his wife, submit to your husband as to the Lord. With another word, listen to this, wife, your first submission is toward the Lord. So he is that deserve, the Lord is the one that deserves your ultimate submission. And you submit to your husband because you submit to the Lord. 
So if in, in any way your husband abuses that authority, if in any way your husband uses the authority in a way that is not aligned to the way that the Lord uses it, then run away. So help. seek help. Okay, that's God's desire for you. So the word submission does not mean that you got to submit or fully, surrender fully to obedience to what your husband. It does not mean that. So God does not want you to be under abusive husband. Okay, get out. So what then is the meaning of the word submission? Okay, I love the way Timothy Keller put it. Timothy Keller called the word submission the tie-breaking authority. Okay, um, let me share with you his story, and then we'll dissect the story together, okay? Uh, he tells the story in his book, The Meaning of Marriage. Some of you already read it. So what happens is this. Many years ago, um, Tim, Timothy Keller, wanted to move to New York to plant a church. However, his wife, Carrie, did not want to go. Carrie was comfortable with, with what they already have, okay? Um, so the idea of moving to New York disturbed her because she already had the comfort, the security that she wanted. And so now moving to New York with all the kids and everything, it disturbed her. It does not seem like a good idea to her, right? So, but Tim, Tim was convinced that God was leading them to start a church in Manhattan, New York. But Carrie did not see the same way. Okay? So Carrie says, like, you know, I did not sign up to be this. I did not sign up to be pastor's wife in New York. So no, because so... Um, so they begin to have this conversation, they argue, and for months they discuss, and they cannot come to agreement. Finally, after months of arguing, Tim just get tired, and this is what Tim say, fine, I want to go, you don't want to go, I can't force you to go, so we're not going. Okay, so that's what Tim said. Okay, we're not going. That's in our, what happened in the story. In our culture today, in our culture of gender equality, um, this is this. Unless you can come to mutual agreement, then don't make a decision. For example, like last week, uh, should we get a black car or should we get a red car? Well, why don't you get a white car if you can come to agreement, right? So, so try to work out a way that both of you can agree. And that's good, okay? That is good. Mutual agreement is good. But here's my question. What happens when you can't come to mutual agreement? Well, some say that don't make any decision until you can agree on something. But here's the thing that you know about love, right? What happens when it is impossible to not make any decision? Because life is filled with that kind of scenario. You with me on that? Example, like where should you send your school, uh, your kids? Where should you send your kids? Should they go to public school, private school, or homeschool? And husband and wife, you can't agree. What do you do? Not making decision is not an option. Like for not making decision, that means what? Your kids will not have education. You don't want that. So you gotta make a decision. So now the question is this. In that kind of scenario, where there is no middle ground, who makes the decision? Like in team in team case, there's no middle ground. Tim wanted to go to New York to plant a church, Carrie didn't want to go. There's no middle ground. Either go or stay. Who make the decision? Let me tell you. In the gospel dance, the Bible say that the husband has been given that authority. Okay? So wife, listen. It is your husband's responsibility to decide. Say, but, but do you realize what Tim did, right? You know what Tim did? rather than owning his responsibility, rather than taking the role as the leader in the family, you know what Tim said? Fine, you don't want to go? Fine, we're not going. So by doing that, Tim actually said, you know what? You can have the tie-breaking authority, Carrie. You do that. You lead, I'll follow you. Happy wife, happy life, right? But that's not what Tim, what, that's not what happened. That's not the way it should go. But I love what happened next, okay? What happened next is beautiful. I love what Carrie did. So Kathy, when Tim said that, so Kathy turned to Tim and said this, oh, no, 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 no. You are not doing this to me. You just let me break the tie. I mean, what is the use of you being a man in the family? I mean, if you see God calling us into the world to do something wild, like, listen, husband, I don't like to take the risk, okay? I prefer safety for our family. But if God is calling you to do that, then for God's sake, be a man. 
Use the authority, use the tie-breaking authority and decide. Wow, what a wife. See, so now, so what happens? They ended up moving to Manhattan and they planted Redeemer Presbyterian Church and the rest is history. Now, do you see what happened, guys? Do you see what happened in the story, husband and wife? Here's what happened. Kathy was playing her role as a strong helper. Because Kathy said, you know, I'm not going to use my strong, my power, my, to be able to, re, to replace you. No, no. I'm going to empower you are the man in the family. So you decide. And listen, woman, I know this is not easy. But it takes a strong woman to empower her husband to lift that responsibility. And you do not do it begrudgingly. You don't like, oh, I have to do it. No, 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 no. You do it as you do it unto the Lord. Because that's how the dance works. You are called to be a helper, fit for your husband, okay? And husband, you have that authority to make the decision, to break the tie. And all the guys are like, preach it, brother. That's what I'm talking about. Teach the woman how to submit, right? I'm awesome. But listen, guys. Listen, husband. Yes, you've been given that authority by God. But if you use that authority too often, you know what's happening? That means you fail. That's why it's a death of your wife sacrificially. So that's why it's a dance, okay? That's why you got to pick your battle. you got to know what is it that God wants you to do. So that's why, her husband, you got to be generous with your yes. Because if you're generous with your yes, the moment you have to say no, then your wife understands that you're not saying no because you're neglecting her, but because you see something else that God wants you to do and God wants to lead the family. And you are that leader in the family. And wife, empower your husband to do that. Okay, that is your responsibility. Okay? And right now, the wife's like, oh, I'm not sure if I like this sermon. I know. But that's what you're called to do. But let, then, let, then let's look at how sin has distorted the image then. Because we know. Because Adam and Eve sinned against God. What happened is this, this beautiful complementary role between husband and wife has been corrupted in such a way that now husband becomes a selfish lover. We talked about that last week. But then it also affected wife. Okay? And I love the way Genesis 3.16 put it. Okay? God says this. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring four children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. See, the order of Genesis is really clear. Say. See, there's two things that are going to happen. First, woman, you're going to have the pain of childbearing. But the second, because of sin, is what happened. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband. And that's what happened, right? And that desire reflected itself in three different ways, okay? First, it's this control. So here's what happened, ladies. Rather than being a helper because of sin, now you want to be the one in control, okay? See, the idea of a helper, a helper is someone who helped the other party to fulfill their responsibility. So the main task is actually belong to man. So woman, you come alongside man to help him to fulfill that responsibility. You're there to help. That's what the word helper means. Yet because of sin, what happens is this. Sin makes woman want to be in control. Sin makes woman want to be the one who have that responsibility. Okay, ladies, you know, you know this to be true, right? You like to be in control, right? Just admit it, like just say amen in your heart. You like to be in control, especially, especially in your relationship with your husband. See, there are many times that when your husband makes decisions, you go in your heart. You might not say it in your, with your word, but my husband is a moron, right? I can't believe he makes decisions. I mean, what kind of decision is this? And, 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 and there's this pull in your heart that you believe and you think that if your husband just listens to everything you say, then your relationship will work out so much better. Am I right? See, what's that? Let me tell you what's that. That is the desire to lead the dance. That is the desire to be in control of the dance, okay? And I think that's also one of the reasons why women, why wife, you don't like to be vulnerable. That's why you like to be mysterious. Why? Because as long as you have that sense of mystery, you are still in control. But the moment you become vulnerable, you lose control. 
Um, let me give you one example, okay? For example, like husband and wife, they want to, they go out on a date, date night, okay? And the husband asks the question, boo, what do you, you want to have dinner? And the wife said, okay, it's up to you. You decide, you're the man. Okay. So husband, we took her to our favorite restaurant, KFC, for date night, right? And throughout the whole night, throughout the dinner, she does not smile at all. So we ask, are you okay, boo? Are you okay? You're fine? You're not smiling. And she said, yeah, I'm good. Are you sure? Yep. Like, and then finally, after long hours of conversation, long hours of asking the question, finally, she tell you. Okay, finally, she said, you don't understand me. I don't want to eat KFC. I want Korean barbecue. To which every husband go, why don't you tell us so? You said, I can decide. And then the wife said, but I want you to know without me telling you what I want. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure that scenario played a lot in different um, stages in your life, right? But here's what happened, right? Well, granted, Man, if you take your wife to KFC for date night, then you got to up your dating skill, man. That's not good. And ladies, you are designed to help men, okay? Help, okay? To give help. Men cannot take hints. Hints are bad, okay? Tell us what you want because hint does not work for us. We are not that smart. See, men, we are a bunch of clueless creatures. So if you want something, you've got to communicate it. But here's what I know, okay? This one older woman says this, tell me. Um, once older lady once told me this. If I have to tell him what I want, I no longer want it. What's that? That's desire for control. Okay, that's why. That's, you want to be, you, have, you want to have some sense of control. Even though you want your husband to decide, but you still want to have that sense of control. But let me tell you, that's not going to work. In order for your husband to be able to lead you properly, then you got to be vulnerable. you got to let him know. Okay, that's the first one, control. But the second one, I think, and this is very crucial one, the second way that sin has distorted the image is through insecurity. So ladies, another way that a lot of times you struggle with is insecurity. Okay? And here's what's interesting about ladies, the women. Okay? Women like to compare themselves to other women. Okay, this is strange for us men. Like for us men, we, we don't usually compare ourselves to other men, right? Say, we don't check one another out. So for example, if I walk up into a room, there's a bunch of guys, and I walk past, they don't say, oh wow, Pastor, you smell nice. I wonder what cologne he uses. Okay? Men, we don't do that, okay? We don't do that regularly. I do it sometimes, but just because I'm weird, okay? But most, girl, most guys don't do it. We don't check other men regularly. But here's what's interesting about girls, though. Girls check other girls regularly, Okay? In fact, study confirmed that women spend more time checking each other out than they do the opposite sex. So, and when women compare uh, checking each other out, they not just compare appearances, no, no. They just not compare the bags, no, no. They compare everything. The husband, the children, the house, the holiday, everything. So now everything become, begin, become a game of comparison, okay? So one article, one article, article even argued this. Most women will agree that when we look into the mirror, we don't ask ourselves what he see in us. We ask what he see. <laughs> see, you compare yourself to other women, and, and the standard for the last of comparison might change for everyone. Some of you might compare your family. Some of you might compare your kids. Some of you might compare your intelligence, your work, your husband. But at the end of the day, you still compare to other women. And not only that, because you compare, what happened is comparison lead to discontentment. Now, because you compare, you feel like what you're doing don't really matter. And you're like, how come she, she can do that? How come she has a better job than me? Why, why, why am I stuck with changing diaper while she can go out and make money? Why? So you begin to feel discontentment. And out of that discontentment, what happened? You begin to fantasize. You begin to ask the question, what if? I mean, what if, my, what, if, what, if, what if my husband like her husband? What if, if my children is like their children? What, what, what if, if my job is like their job? Right? So that comparison creates insecurity in you. And Instagram does not help you at all. Because when you look at Instagram and you look at people's story, when you get, you know, that's the best way to check out other people, right? Through Instagram. When you look at their story, you're like, they're having the best time of their life, right? 
she posts check out Adam's wife Instagram story and and he said like you know she posted Instagram story say woke up to breakfast in bed prepared by my hobby hashtag blessed wife hashtag husband of the year and then you thought to yourself why is my husband not making me breakfast in bed am I not blessed can I also have the husband of the year I wonder right so, but you have no idea, like you absolutely have no idea that they might be fighting all night long because the husband would cheer on her, on his wife, and then he tried to make her up to his wife with breakfast in bed. You do not know that, but you compare and you feel discontent, okay? And you do not, do not, do not appreciate the fact that your husband is faithful to you. And that's what happened. It, this insecurity, you, you, you are in compare. You, you, sorry, you compare your life with other people and you feel insecure, even though you know what you see is just a facade and not reality. And the third way uh, sin distorted the image is to perfectionism. See, woman, I, I get this. There's this urge inside of you that you want to prove that you're somebody. There's this urge inside of you that even though you already become someone or somebody that you desire, it's still not enough, okay? The urge to keep proving yourself that somebody, you are somebody never sees. Kathy Kay, um, in her New, Time, New York Times best-selling book, secular book, write this. Women feel confident only when they are perfect. So this is what you do, right? So when you strive to be the perfect daughter, you strive to be the perfect girlfriend. You strive to be the perfect wife. You strive to be the perfect mother. You strive to be a perfect worker. You strive to be, the, to be as perfect as you can. In fact, if you cannot be perfect, you create a facade. You create an image that makes people think that you are perfect. Because why? Because other, unless you have that perfection, you feel like you're not enough. You feel insecure. You feel like there's something is missing. So now what happens is for you, everything becomes competition. Right? You compete with other women um, on how you raise your kid. You compete with other women in, in how you brag about your husband. You compete with other women with your house. So you be- make everything become a competition. And if, if someone's better than you, you're not happy. If someone's better than you, you want to tell them that, no, you're not better than me. I have things that I'm better than you that. And you feel like you got to up your game. And yet when you up your game, it's never enough. And that's why women are more prone to dep- depression, anxiety. And that's why there are more women who committed suicide than men. Because why? Think about it. How can you ever be happy, feel at peace, and be at rest if perfection is the standard? You can't. You cannot. You keep striving, but you never get there. And here's the problem, okay? Ladies, do you know how you express this frustration? Say you try to be in control, but you cannot. You feel insecure about your life. And then you want to be perfect, but you know you cannot. You try to create the facade of perfection, but you cannot. You know it. So you're frustrated. And do you know what you do? you know how you express your frustration? Through words. Through your words. See, when men feel frustrated, we use our strength, all right, to intimate others. But when women feel frustrated, they use words. They use words to slander other people. See, why does women love to gossip? See, women love to gossip because it makes them feel better about themselves. See, gossip, gossip do this. Gossip show that you are frustrated, and that's why you need to talk down about other women. But here's what you might not understand a lot of time. Women, do you understand? Wife, do you understand? Do you know who is the first person who is affected by your words? Not that girl, not the other girl. No, it's your husband's. He is the first person who encounter, who have to deal with your frustration through words. And tell, let me tell you, proverb: it is not pleasant. See, I, I love the word, the word Proverbs put it. Proverbs 21 verse 9. It is better to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house share with a quarrelsome wife. I mean, did you hear that? Okay, this is not me saying, okay, this is the Bible saying. The Bible says it's better for a husband to live at the rooftop. It's better for a husband to live at the roof rather than under the same house with a nagging wife, right? Amen, husband? Okay, not too loud, not too loud. Especially if your, husband next, if your wife next to you, okay? But here's what, what you need to know, ladies. 
your word is extremely powerful. Your word can either bring life to men or destroy them. It can either build an underqualified man to be a man after God's own heart, or it can turn the best of men into dust. See, that's why, ladies, you got to use your words carefully. you got to know he is your husband, the one who's affected the most by your word. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, we did a Love Actually series, okay? So it's pretty similar to this series. And one of the sermon was directed specifically to the wife, very similar to this one. And let me tell you, I had a traumatic experience, a very traumatic experience. See, what you need to know is I always work hard for my sermon. Okay, usually for my regular sermon preparation, I spend about 20 hours to prepare for one sermon. But for the sermon to the wife at that time, I spent at least 30 hours, okay, extra 10 hours. Why? Because I did a lot of research to make sure I get my facts right, right? Because I'm not a woman, right? I'm a guy, and I have no clue about women, so I need to study them to be able to represent uh, my sermon properly. So I spent a lot of time in this and, and to make sure I get my facts right. And after this series ended, um, we sent a survey to the church to ask for their feedback. And I will never, ever forget this, okay? One girl, a girl, commented to, on my sermon to the wife. He says this, what does Yoshi know about woman? And, and when I read that sermon, I'm like, I'm like broken heart, <laughs> shattered. And I'm still pain. It still hurt me to today, as you can tell. I listen to someone, let me tell you, your word. Listening to this sermon right now, if you're listening to someone, let me tell you, your words have scarred me for life, right? It's painful, okay? And that person, I don't even know her. If that's how much a word of a person, a girl that I do not know, carry, wife, how much more your word weight on your husband? That's why you got to use your word carefully. Use your words to build your husband, okay, not to destroy him, okay? So that's um, the way that sin has distorted the image of woman and the responsibility of woman. So we learned so far what is the responsibility of woman and how sin has distorted that image. So the question now then, what are we going to do? Okay, let me give you two applications and then one specific application to the single. What are we going to do then? How can we lift out our God-given responsibility as wife? First, is this, behold the gospel. Wait, isn't that the same as last week? Yes. That's why we call the title, subtitle of the series is looking at relationship to the eyes of the gospel. Because here's my conviction, ladies. The gospel is the, the gospel that you can play your part in the gospel dance. The gospel is what enables you to play your role. Because think about it, okay? The issues of control, insecurity, and perfectionism is not just something that you need to battle once and for all. No, you got to wake up to this every single morning. Every single morning you wake up, you're tempted to take control. You're tempted with insecurity, and you're tempted with perfectionism. So you got to battle that desire every single day, woman, wife. But here's what I know. There are days that you win the battle, and there are days that you lose the battle. And what you need to understand in order to live that out is this. You need to know that in the gospel, that Christ sees you as perfect. That perfection is yours before you even begin the battle. That Christ sees you as holy and blameless. And that's the only way that you can play your role. When you understand that perfection is yours, then you can lift out your responsibility as a helper to your husband. Think about it, okay? Control. When you understand that Jesus, Jesus is your ultimate husband, when you understand the gospel, then you understand you don't have to be in control, woman. Why? Because you have the God of the universe as your ultimate spouse. He is in control even though you're not. And He loves you 24-7 and He always has your best interest at heart. He never fails you. He always works for your good and He is your ultimate husband. So you, 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 you don't have to be in control because he is. And what about insecurity? Now, you don't have to be insecure. Do you know why? Because Christ sees you at your weakest. Christ knows all your flaws. He knows all your weaknesses. And yet, 
Jesus said what? He loved you completely. See, Jesus not only loved you 3,000, no? Jesus loved you infinitely. He sees you at your weakest and He loves you with His best. So now when you understand this, that means this. That means when, when Christ sees you, when the ultimate husband loves you, He no longer sees you based on your beauty alone. He sees you based on His love and He promised to make you beautiful. So you, you don't have any reason to be insecure. Your husband, your ultimate husband knows who you are and He loves you to the moon. And you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to. Because perfection is already yours in Christ. Christ already forgiven you. Christ already covered you with His blood. You are holy and blameless before God. So now, listen, wife, you can relax. You can breathe. You can smile. Because Christ is your ultimate husband. Wife, it is only when you love Christ the most as your ultimate husband that you can be a helper, fit to your husband. See, unless we understand this, you know what happened? You will be tempted to idolize your husband because you want to create this image that your husband has to be perfect, that you got it perfect, you have to get it all together. And now you put this demand on your husband to be all that you want him to be. And let me tell you, no one can carry that weight. No man can carry that weight. Only Christ can. So now, but, but when you understand that Christ has fulfilled that for you, you can smile. You can rejoice even in your daily mundane routine of life. You can find joy because you're not doing it just for your husband. You have the joy and the delight of the Lord. Husband, wife, that's how you lift out your responsibilities. Behold the gospel. And the second thing that I want to encourage you to do is this. Be productive with your time and energy. So be intentional about removing whatever it is that take away your joy in Christ and be intentional about adopting and doing whatever it is that increase your joy in Christ. So, so for every one of us, it looks different. So ladies, for women, like what triggers your insecurity? What triggers your desire for control? What triggers your desire for perfectionism? Get rid of that. If, if it's that Instagram then get rid of Instagram. If it's that someone that you follow, then unfollow that person for a season. If it's Korean drama, then stop watching it. Trust me, you're not going to die because of lack of Instagram and Korean drama. But rather than that, then got to pursue what increases your joy in Christ, what, what fits your desire for Christ, what helps you to see Christ, your ultimate husband, then pursue that. Be satisfied in Christ. Find ways to do that. And only when you do that, then can, you can play the gospel. Then you can play your role as a helper fit for your husband. And I also want to encourage this, like younger woman, pursue help from other godly women who are rooted in the gospel. See, they're, they're in your life for a reason. Okay, they, they've, they've danced the gospel dance longer than you. So they can give you many, many feedback. They can give you many, many input, hints on how you can dance better. Okay? They might be a little bit old-fashioned, but that's okay. They will enable you to dance better in your gospel dance of marriage. And for older women, take the initiative to seek the younger women and disciple them. Okay? Don't wait for them to come to you. Okay? They're in your life for a reason. So seek to show them. Bring them into your life and show them how you fail. Show them how you continue to look to, to Christ even though in the midst of your failure and how then you, the gospel empower you to be able to be a helper fit for your husband. And when the younger woman sees that, the young woman can say, okay, this is the rhythm. This is the rhythm. Okay, this is a step. And they become better at it. So be in, take the initiative to build relationship with other godly women. And last but not least, for the single woman, here's my encouragement. Never, ever, single ladies are cheap. I'm just going to be very honest. Single ladies, not all of you will be married. Some of you will be single. How do I know? Because there are more guys than girls in population. Just counting by that, that means there will be single ladies. But here's my encouragement. Never, ever sell yourself cheap. Okay, it is better to live a single fulfilled life than to lower your standard and live miserably. Do you know why? Because your husband will lead the dance. Your husband will set the spiritual climate and the direction of your family. Because if your husband is not a God-fearing man, then it's better for you not to be married. 
you're going to have miserable marriage, not enjoyable one. So, and listen to me. I know it's, I know it's difficult, right? I mean, you, know, you don't know what I'm saying. You're, you're a man. But listen, I, I get it. I've been single for 34 years. I, I know what it feels. But here's my encouragement that you need for you singles. Christ is the lover that you need. He is the perfect spouse that you long for. He is the ultimate joy that you desire. So if you're single right now, and if this season of life that the gift of marriage is being withheld from you by God, then understand this. That means that God is not being stingy. It only means that God wants something better for you. Okay? In Christ, you never lose. In Christ, it is always gain. Whether he chooses to bestow the gift of marriage or not, because marriage is ultimately about him. Okay? So if he withholds the gift of marriage from you today, rejoice. Because it's, it can only mean one thing. You know what that is? He wants to give you more of himself. He wants to be your joy. He wants to be your reason for praise. He wants to be the one who satisfies you. Oh, my friend, what a wonderful gift that is. And that we're going to talk about that in the next coming weeks. But never ever sell yourself cheap. Let's pray. Father God, I pray and I know that what I say is hard and not easy. But I know that Holy Spirit that you enable us to receive. You enable us to be able to lift up this responsibility and whatever it is, Lord, the next step that we need to do. Pray that you empower all the wives to be able to have the courage to trust you, to trust what your word has to say about us about their role and responsibility. And I pray that they continue to look to the gospel. I pray they do not look to other people, uh, the wife, they do not compare themselves, but they continue to look to you, the only one that can satisfy them, the ultimate husband. And I pray out of that joy of beholding the gospel, it will empower them to lift out their role as a wife. And we ask this in the name of beloved Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.